0: Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is said to have charmed more griefs to rest than the philosophy of the whole world. All or most of you have read this psalm, even if you're very young. And there's a reason that most people you meet, whether they're a Christian or a pagan, most people are very familiar with Psalm 23. It is David's heavenly pastoral psalm, and this morning we read it with new eyes again as we remember Margaret Louise Bailey. So please stand as we hear from God's Word. Psalm 23, this is the Word of the Lord, a Psalm of David. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. The Lord is my shepherd. We could spend a long, long time right there. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord, God, the Almighty, the Creator. Is. Not, I hope he's my shepherd. Not, I want him to be my shepherd, if only. He's not like my shepherd. Not, if he might be, the Lord is my shepherd. And probably the sweetest word My, How intimate and personal. That's just like King David, little shepherd boy, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He cares for me. He watches over me. He protects me. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. What more do I need? I need no other thing. Notice it's not, I do not want. David says, I shall not want. No matter what happens, I shall not want. We, Christians, we are quick to want. A newborn baby comes all the way through life, we want. It's easier to want when things are down with us. We want even when things are good, but we have the Lord. We have everything. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 34 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want, of any good thing. The worldly-minded want and want some more. They're never satisfied. And when we are furthest from the Lord is when we want temporal things from this world. And when we're nearest the Lord, we're content and we're satisfied. And you can see this on people's faces. The godliest people that you know are just content and satisfied with the hand the Lord has dealt them. The Lord is my shepherd. We could preach that forever and ever. Last Sunday, precious Margaret Louise went into glory, and the Lord is the Bailey shepherd. And thank you, Christ Church, for loving them. Thank you. It's so sweet. We are just talking this morning. What a gift that we have fellowship together, we have unity, and we have grief, and we bear one another's burdens. And there will be many, many opportunities to come to surround the Baileys and hug them, kiss them and love them, and with our actions and words, preach to them that the Lord is their shepherd. You might know Joe Bailey, Pastor Bailey's grandfather, he buried three sons. And when they walked away from these fresh graves, they had a uniquely powerful sense of the love of God. My little son Abel essentially has half a heart. And the Lord is his shepherd and has been such a good shepherd to him. And to feel and know that the saints have prayed for him, is, it's unbelievable. You can sense the presence of the Lord in his hand of protection. So whether it's the loss of a mother, whether it's the loss of health, or maybe not having a husband or wife yet when you want one, though Christians around the world are persecuted and murdered, preach this five-word sentence to yourself all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. The Psalms have a lot to, lot to say about shepherding. Of course, before David was the king, he was a shepherd. What is it like to be a shepherd? Is it just sitting around on the beautiful hillside? It's always, always green grass. The sun's always shining. I mean, it's a pretty lazy job, right? You're just standing out there, alone there with your thoughts. I think not. I don't think it would be a boring job to be a shepherd. It would be quite the opposite. So, boys, young men in particular, love to read about David and Goliath. I do. David accepts Goliath's challenge. Listen to this. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear Okay, wait, who has seen a lion or a bear outside of the zoo? So you've seen a lion. Were you, were you, were you all, all excited and uh, get warm butterflies in your tummy? I saw a few black bears getting in the trash in uh, Tennessee. I mean, in the wilderness... Joseph and I, Friday, had a real nice walk through the neighborhood. We go to this big long fence. And he said, this is the, this is the fence. There's this big, big dog. Anyone seen the movie Sandlot? One of the best American documentaries ever filmed, right? (laughs) So he said, that dog is behind this fence. And there's this big hole in the fence. He said, so my kids just run. I think Moses and Tate loved dogs the most, right? Is that right? Uh, that movies, it's something else. Uh, when I was a little more cynical, I said, "You know, this dog is the size of a house. This is ridiculous." But as I grew older, I realized it's their imagination. You know, as far as they're concerned, the dog is the size of a house. But we're not talking about a dog here. David says, "I was I was tending the sheep." Again, we're not talking about a boring life here as a shepherd. When a lion or a bear, David the shepherd, says to Saul, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him. Such a man. That is David the shepherd went out after the lion or the bear, and I attacked him. This happened recently, actually. There is a guy jogging, and a mountain lion came out and attacked him. And I think he kicked him in the throat or stomped on his throat and killed the lion. The man survived. It's unbelievable. Modern-day modern day David here. I attacked him and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and therefore, what will the shepherd do to Goliath? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. That sounds a little bit arrogant, right? You know, Goliath's huge. David's this little shepherd boy. Some of you might say, man, I'm awesome like that. I'm awesome like David. I've done that on the schoolyard. I mean, I've never killed a lion or a bear, but some of you, on the other hand, might say, man, I wish I was awesome like that. That doesn't really describe me. I'm more of the meek and mild type. But listen, David was not self-confident. He was not self-confident in his shepherding skills. The whole time, David knew that God was his shepherd. Of course, he killed the lion and the bear and rescued the sheep because God was his shepherd. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. And oh, was the Lord with King David. Not King then. He was with Shepherd David. And the Lord shepherded David and his people. David said to the Philistine, Hear how David testifies and gives the glory to the Lord, his shepherd. David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you, young ladies and sons, I come to you how? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. If Goliath had any conscience at all, his skin would have started to crawl and his confidence would have started to waver a little bit there. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And you know, the battle turned out exactly like that. Goliath came to the battle self-confident. He went to war self confident and he had some victories. Goliath was his own shepherd. David came with the power and authority of God, the good shepherd. And as you sit here this morning, young, old, those are your two options in life. You can follow yourself as a shepherd or you can follow the good shepherd. And if you follow yourself, I'll tell you now, it will not turn out well for you. You may not get your head chopped off like Goliath and have your flesh fed to the birds of the air, but if God is not your shepherd, it will be worse actually for you. God is not your shepherd and you go to hell forever. On the other hand, if God is your shepherd, then there's nothing you lack. If God is your shepherd, then you shall not want. If God is your shepherd, then you can face whatever difficulty or trouble come your way because you know that he is leading you. The Lord is your shepherd. Well, I'm single and it's difficult. I want to be married. The Lord is your shepherd. You have a sick child. The Lord is your shepherd. You face the loss of a child through miscarriage or stillbirth. The Lord is your shepherd. You can bury your child and testify to the resurrection. Now it's difficult. It's painful. More on that later. The Lord leads his people like a flock of sheep. The shepherd rules them. He guides them. He feeds them. He protects them. And the sheep, they follow, they obey, they love and trust the shepherd, or at least they should. Hear this from Ezekiel 34. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd, and the day when he is among his scattered sheep, So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I told you that Joe Bailey, Pastor Bailey's grandfather, buried three sons he wrote many wonderful psalms. They're in, a, they're in a book. You can buy it on Amazon. And such a comfort. Here is a psalm of wandering from Joe Bailey. Lord, you know, I'm such a stupid sheep. I worry about all sorts of things. Whether I'll find grazing land, still cool water, a fold at night in which I can feel safe. I don't. I only find troubles, want, loss. I turn aside from you to plan my rebel way. I go astray. I follow other shepherds, even other stupid sheep. Then when I end up on some dark mountain, cliffs before me and wild animals behind, I start to bleat, shepherd, shepherd, find me, save me, or I die. And you do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Notice, he makes me. There are some of us here who need to be made to lie down. Some workaholics here. Or yeah, physically just can't just can't sit still. It's nice to know of green pastures, but it's another thing entirely to be made to lie down in green pastures. Isn't that comforting? He leads me beside quiet waters or literally waters of rest. He leads us. He never abandons us. He is with us, leading us. Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd, what does he do for the sheep? He lays down his life for the sheep. In the Gospel of John, there are six marks of the sheep of Jesus Christ. The sheep of the Lord know their shepherd, they know his voice. They hear him calling them each by name. The sheep love him, they trust him, and they follow him. Hear this from Revelation. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. You kids get hurt. You want to be comforted by, by daddy and mommy, right? They wipe the tears from your eyes. That's what the good shepherd does in heaven. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. How sweet that when our soul is devastated... He restores us. Only he can. There are some sad and devastating events in this world. Only the good shepherd restores our souls. Paths of righteousness is literally tracks of righteousness. So you think, well-traveled. And a track cannot be deviated from. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad, that leads to death. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small, and the way is narrow, that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, in this world, we will have trouble. And trouble and difficulty, they come from the hand of the Lord in his wisdom and his love. We experience both comfort and intense pain. And the trouble and the pain drive us back to the Lord. This valley of the shadow of death It's been walked this last week. It's a valley that cannot be sprinted through. It's walked through. And it's a calm walking. It's unafraid. Because you, Lord, are with me. Because the Lord is my shepherd. We can all be comforted to know that it's not walking in the valley. But what does it say? Though I walk through the valley. We walk through the dark valley of the shadow of death. The shadow, what does the shadow let you know? That there's light. Friday, the sun was shining. There's light. And on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death is glory and heaven and Jesus That's why I don't fear evil. Of course, there is evil, but I don't fear it because he is with me. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so for a Christian, death is the very deliverance from death. Deliverance from all pain, all this sorrow, all these miseries, all the wretchedness of this world. For a Christian, death is entering into rest, the beginning of everlasting joy. Hearing, tasting, seeing the pleasures of heaven. David writes, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord corrects us when we're disobedient, and He brings us back to Him when we wander. He always corrects us for our good because He's our perfectly, perfect Heavenly Father. He loves us perfectly. Hebrews 12. At least sons and fathers are very familiar with. I'm sure most of us here are. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Easy for us to forget this. He scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Sheep getting whacked on the head. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. He protects us from our enemies. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Christians have enemies, and we should. And yet, Christians peacefully eat at the table the Lord has prepared. The Lord our shepherd gives and provides and protects us. I'm as safe on the battlefield as in my bed because the Lord is my shepherd. I can eat and be at peace. You have anointed my head with oil. In the Bible, we see people being anointed with oil as a sign of love and hospitality Friendship and respect. Today we live in a day of indoor plumbing. And what a gift, because otherwise teenage sons would stink up our whole houses, right? So perfumed oil on the head was a sweet, sweet sweet-smelling gift. And so you see, the Lord doesn't just give us the necessities of life. He gives us luxuries, Of course, in this context, we also think of the spiritual oil of gladness and the anointing and love of the Holy Spirit. My cup overflows. It's not just full, it's full and then overflowing. And look around, there is not a soul here whose cup is not overflowing. The Lord never stops blessing us, he's been so kind to us, and our cup overflows so that we can share with those around us, so that we can bear one another's burdens and feed them and give them drink from the Lord and his word. And in closing, verse 6, what a gift and promise. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. For the Christian, there is good behind him and before him. You look back at your life, you see all the goodness and kindness of the Lord that he has blessed you with. And when you come to the end of your life, that's the beginning of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray.